Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Women in Pop podcast. I'm Jet Tattersall. Thank you for tuning in. It is so lovely to be with you all again. Now, as you know, this podcast has a sister publication, which is, of course, the Women in Pop magazine. Our next issue is out in just a matter of weeks. And on today's show, we are taking it right back to the beginning. Our guest today was there at the very birth of Women in Pop with a stellar feature in our very first issue. Not only is she a singer, a songwriter, she's also a producer, a DJ, a radio host, and runs her own record label. She is one of the most talented and creative women on the Australian music scene, and we are chuffed to be speaking with her today. Known to her parents as Christy Lee Peters, it is, of course, none other than KLP. Christy, hello and welcome. (laughs) Good to have you here. Oh my gosh, what an intro. I hope I can live up to all of those things. (laughs) Oh, there's more here as well. Oh gosh. Now, first off, we need to get one thing cleared up. Yes. When we spoke to you for issue number one of Women in Pop, you told us that you were thinking about contributing more to society, maybe possibly getting involved in politics. I quote, (laughs) I want to make people happy and make society a better place, which you've got my vote. Are you on track to be our next prime minister? Well, um, I'd love to say that there aren't amazing uh, options out there now, so maybe I am. Um, I haven't gotten into politics, but definitely being a little more involved. Recently, there was a state election that went on in New South Wales, and there was a lot of talk going on around the music industry um, and different parties and their commitments to music. So I was a little bit involved in that. Unfortunately, uh, I wasn't... I say I wasn't exactly overwhelmed and excited about um, Liberal getting back in. Um, But I'll cross my fingers and hope that they will deliver and kind of commit to uh, helping out the music industry and revitalising Sydney because it's definitely not the Sydney I grew up in. When I grew up in Sydney and even started being a musician in Sydney, it was so different. There were so many venues open. Uh, That's how I started my career because I'd go from one to the other DJing all hours of the night. If I wanted to start doing that again now, it just wouldn't be possible. So I don't know, it's a little bit heartbreaking when I come back to Sydney after travelling around to other states and I I look around and go, whoa, there is little to no nightlife left. There's no nightlife left and there's very few venues. Yeah, it's really disappointing. Um, And it's hard to be positive about it, I guess, because I feel like amongst my peers and amongst my friends, we're all on the same page and we can all see the issue. You know, there's been an an inquiry that went on um, where the results literally said there's a, a state of emergency going on and if we continue on this trajectory in New South Wales, there'll be no music economy, uh, you know, a little to none uh, in, you know, a few years' time. But whether or not people actually start to do something to change it is another thing in question. So I'm, I'm hoping. And, I mean, if I can be involved in any way at this stage, I will. But I'm not in politics yet. But political, yes, I guess I, I could say that. that. <laughs> but, I mean, on that note, what is, I mean, what do your peers, what is the advice for people starting out? Because if there's nowhere to play, of course, we've got the internet and people are making their own music and getting it out that way. But if there's nowhere to perform, I mean, what what is the course of action for Sydney-siders? Yeah, I mean, it's really hard. If it's, 
So when I started, I was working, you know, a few different jobs. And when I started DJing, it was the real game changer for me because if you're writing music, you don't get paid for it, especially not upfront. You're putting in hours and hours of work and then maybe you'll see some money down the line, but you need to still work some kind of day job. But when I started DJing, I realized that I could work a few nights a week and then the rest of the time I could just put into my you know, passion of writing music and doing that, which you don't get paid for. If I was to do it all again, I don't know if that would be possible. I mean, there are a few venues around where you can play, but you'd probably have to be doing, you know, some other work as well. I don't know if it would be enough to just survive on. Because there's a there's a big backlog of really talented people just vying for that one, like one hour set or... Yeah, yeah. There's a lot more competition and just less venues, as you said. You know, there are so many that have closed down. Half of the ones that I started DJing in have closed down or oh. the hours have just been cut. And it's those few hours that... I think my first residency, I was playing 3 till 6 a.m. I mean, wow. that just doesn't exist anywhere in Sydney now, that time slot. So it, it's that that kind of work where three hours, three hours pay for you and the bar staff, the yeah. door staff. You know, that's a lot of money for people when they're starting out. You know, that's a lot of your rent money. Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, it's quite difficult. And because of the venue shut down, I guess all Sydney's side has gone, okay, we go to bed at 10 and we get up at five and do CrossFit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is just, uh, yeah, I'm scared that that's the Sydney that, you know, people in charge are trying to make. But, um, like oh, LA 15 years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's the new normal, you know, yeah. people coming up that are just starting to go out. This is what they know. So I'm hoping that they don't take that as the new normal. Yeah. yeah. Very good point. I like that. <laughs> um, now, very exciting. We were speaking about this earlier. Well, I was banging on about your new single heater, which is just insanely good like it is ridiculous good and I just found out that when we spoke to you on the red carpet last year which you were very much pregnant for Mm -hmm. you'd just written this track yeah yeah so I actually wrote a whole lot of music before I gave birth because I knew or I didn't know what would happen once I gave birth I didn't know how much time I would have or if I'd have any creative energy Um, and I'm releasing an album later this year so I wanted to have 80% 80% of it done uh, so that once I got to this stage of the year, I could just do the finishing touches mm-hmm. and, and finish things off. So I had a backlog of all of these songs that I'd already written. So a lot of people are kind of going, oh, my God, you just had a baby and you're putting out all this music. And it's like, yes, I was very prepared. <laughs> I did all of the work. I had the artwork done everything uh, leading up to this so it's that I so could just put it out. so you say that because you could have just gone, yeah, I just did that. I had my baby and I just like released a really killer track that's going to oh, be Oh, gosh. Sometimes I struggle to even shower. <laughs> <laughs> now, this track, can I just say, apart from the fact that I love it and I have played it on repeat and repeat and repeat, I'm digging the layers of like that feel of yellows. Oh, yeah. That yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. It is amazing. Um, can we just play that song now so the listeners can get a feel with yes. how good it is? Here is KLP with Hida. Feel me and you're ready to explode. Feel me. 
Now, folks, as you can see, it is almost impossible not to dance to this track. Can you please tell me your inspiration and your process for such a banging floor filler? Well, a lot of the music I've been releasing over the last few years wasn't dance music. I kind of fell into this trap that a lot of artists fall into where they're trying to write um, pop music or, you know, writing with people that are just trying to write pop music. I'd go to LA and do um, writing sessions over there. And the music I was writing I really liked, but it was never songs that I could play in my sets, in my DJ sets. And I kind of came to this realisation maybe a year and a half ago. I was like, oh my gosh, why am I writing all of this music that I can't play. And so a lot of the stuff I've been doing recently is taking it back to my dance roots because I always loved dance music. I grew up, you know, when I was 18, going out and listening to dance. Um, And when I first started making my own music, it was quite dancey, always with vocals, but it was very dancey. So, you know, above 120 BPM beats per minute, so fairly fast. And then, uh, yeah, I just was in this rut of writing music that was slower and and never being able to play it. It was like a combination that didn't fit together. So everything has kind of come from that. Every song I write, it's like, okay, I want to be able to play this in my sets. So in the album I've got coming out, there are some slower songs and songs with full vocals and stories, but then there are some songs like Heated that are just fun that I can, you know, play in the club and everyone will want to dance to. And I I actually played it for the first time a few weeks back um, at Big Pineapple Festival and it went off. So I was like, yes, okay, it's going to work. all places to let it go off, Big Pineapple Festival. Like that's the memory that you're going to have well into your 80s. (laughs) Yeah, and then I played on Friday. um, I played another show and when I turned up, there were people in the front row already going, heater, play heater, play heater. And it had only come out that day. So I thought, okay, I'm on to something. This is good. So now all I want to do for that extra 20% of the album is write a few more songs like that. So really dancey and fun. It is so, hopefully so, I can. so good. And you know what I love about it? I mean, you've obviously got these lyrics, my temperature is rising like it never been before. Mm-hmm. I know you want my body, but hey, join me on the dance floor. What I'm getting though from this track is almost like, yeah, okay, you've got these hot lyrics, but you're like, can you just stop with the dry hump and the eye fuck and can we just dance? Because yes. that's really what I want to do. Yeah. And that's what I love about it. Yeah, yeah, all about dancing. It's Definitely. just got so much grit and thump. So, yeah, seriously, I'll be one of those stalkers. Keep oh, playing that track. Thank you, thank you. That means a lot. And that track as well, it's the first track that I've released recently where it's 100% me. So I produced it, I wrote it, I recorded it. All me, 100% me. So there was no one else, you know, helping, no ghost producers or writers, etc. It's all me. So I'm kind of really stoked that that's the song that I did it, you know, 100% and everyone's into it. It's, but how it's good nice. is that? So you're just yeah. like, this is all me and all me is going off. Like maybe I should have trusted myself more often and just done my own thing. I think a lot of the time there's this question of, am I a good enough producer to do it 100% yeah. by myself? Do I need to get someone else to add those little extra bits. And then after this, it's like, fuck yeah, I can do this. Totally. You know? Yeah. And that's so true. But we do that. We do that in our lives. Like, oh, you know when you always feel like an imposter? Mm. Like, oh, my God, are they going to know that I don't know what I'm doing yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you question yourself and, yeah. you know, you compare yourself to everyone else and think, oh, no, I need this person to be involved because then it's, you know, they're validating it. Yeah. And, and it's hard to just be like, this is just 100% me. But it's kind of nice and reaffirming when it works. So, And how good, good is it as well that you're, can I just say, like you're owning it and you're proud 
proud of it. You know, we have this thing in Australia, that tall poppy syndrome, mm. where people go, oh, yeah, but oh, it wasn't really me and it wasn't that good. But you're like, no, I did all that and it's yeah. awesome and everyone's dancing to it. Yes, so I want to do it more. Kick ass. <laughs> and you mentioned your record label, mm-hmm. um, Sirius. Now, I must say, Sirius Records, I did do a little wiki search on that, not on your label, but more of like, oh, what does that word mean? And then yeah. I just got this plethora, bombardment of cacti. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's actually... so. It comes from um, a flower that blooms at night. That's where I got the idea from. Oh. Yeah. So I, I needed a name that was just a random name. And half of the time you spend all of this time thinking about, what am I going to call it? And then once it's done, it becomes this whole other thing. And I, I don't even know how I stumbled across it, but that was that was the name. It's so good. Yeah. And you know what? The best thing as well, the name actually derives, it's a, I can bore you now with my wiki yes. search, derived from the Greek and Latin words meaning wax. Oh. Which is, hey, Wax Records. Oh, like Records. Oh, oh, I didn't actually know on that. On a subconscious level, oh. I could be your nerdy. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. yeah, on a subconscious level, you had it all going down the right path. Yeah, well, actually, I take it back. I knew exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that that's what it was. That's my intention. Because you're fluent in Latin as well. Yes, yeah, I am. I did. Mm-hmm. That was another one of yep. my notes. <laughs> yes, and Italian. It's, you know, bilingual. <laughs> just very busy. Yeah. I did all that while breastfeeding today. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, can I just ask... How do you find that with your own label? Do you find that more liberating because you can do exactly what you want? Or is that that little bit of you that's overwhelming because you now have to do everything yourself? Like, you know, when kids are all banging on, they want to move out of home. It's like, I'm going to do it, mum. And then they do. And they go, I don't know how to catch and release a huntsman. Or I don't know how to change a fuse. Yeah. (laughs) Or change a light bulb. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Make a bolognese. Like Yes. (laughs) Well, it's both. So it is incredibly liberating, um, but then also really scary because... If you have a label, they help you choose the songs you release. Yeah. Now I can release whatever I want, which is awesome, but also uh, that same thing of involving other people so you, you know, have it validated or think, oh, no, this is a good song. If it's just left up to you, it's a scary decision to make sometimes. But I've now done it uh, for maybe like a year and a half. So all my releases last year were um, independent, so on my own label. And so now I just don't give a fuck. I'm like, this is the song I want to release. I'm just releasing it. And and stop thinking about writing hits, just enjoying the process of it and, and kind of getting back to, this is what I do. I just write music, I release it, I tour. I write, I release it, and not looking for some overnight success because I've been going at it a while so there's no overnight you know success for me you look at people like Amy Shark or or Gautier that are seen as this sudden instant success and they've been going at it for a long time so I think if it ever happens for me I'm going to be one of those stories it's interesting you say that because this is I mean it happens in the music industry it happens in the performance industry it happens in the sport industry where people go oh he's unknown overnight success and you're Mm. like mom no actually they've been working their ass off yeah for years it's just you hadn't seen them before because I hadn't been picked up Mm. and um, I think it gives um, people this false idea that it's this luck and, and really go, no, it's not like it's hard work. Yeah. Hard work, I mean, I think it comes down to things aligning and being yeah. the right time, having a good song, all of that stuff. But, yeah, you just, you know, a lot of the time you got to go at it for a, a long while. Um, yeah. You did mention as well that um, obviously you've been going at it a long while. <laughs> now, speaking of your background in music, you were in a band <laughs> at 13 years young, real blondes, which I can see is still true. Um, (laughs) Now, they were signed to Sony 
music, but it didn't go so far. I mean, how did that mm. happen? And did you record anything? Can I? Yeah, you can Google it. Okay. Uh, mind you, at the time, the internet wasn't a big thing, which I think is very much a blessing for me because a lot of the stuff we did is not available on the internet <laughs> for viewing. Um, so I went to a performing arts high school in um, in Sydney called Newtown High School of Performing Arts. I loved it. It was the right school for me because I was just obsessed. I just wanted to be an entertainer, didn't care what it was. Audition, stage, singing, dancing, acting, whatever, I'll do it. I didn't, I didn't really care. And in roll call, they would read out auditions that you could go and do. And one was for a singer-dancer or, or, or something. I don't even remember. I just went and it was for a girl group. And I got in. It was originally going to be an independent release. And then it was kind of before all the big TV shows, Australian Idol, etc. So we're talking back Vanessa Amorossi, you know, like I think even Spice Girls kind of era. So it was like Australia didn't really know what to do with pop music yet. But because there was this band being created, there was a little bit of a bidding war between labels. We got signed to Sony Music. I thought I was going to be the Spice Girls. Um, A a few years of touring and doing radio and, you know, music videos and performing some really big performances and TV show, etc. 16 dropped from the label wasn't a Spice Girls. And I thought my life was over, you know, failure. It didn't work. It didn't, you know, work out. But luckily my dad is a musician and he was kind of like, well, no, it's not a failure. It's just run its course. It's finished. And although at the time it was really hard, I had to go back to school full time and, you know, people at school, especially girls can be brutal. But for me, I had to pick myself back up and go, all right, well, what am I going to do next? And kind of deciding to do that and having to do the next thing at such a young age was a really good lesson long-term for me because I think that's what's meant that I can still be doing it now after all this time because I've learned that things end, it's okay. I'm I'm not scared to kind of fail and go for it because I failed way back then. And I survived, if that makes sense. I'm so glad you said that because I actually was thinking – I mean, 16, yeah. I've just had this chat with my niece, my teenage niece as well, is the pits, no matter mm. your social structure or your social, at 16 is just the worst. So surviving just 16 is hard enough. So the fact that you survived that at 16, have come out the other side and you're still writing music, is, yeah. I think that's your biggest badge of Yeah, like, and it, I was so lucky I had a dad that was a musician that could kind of talk me through it. And I guess it's it just proved that I really, this is what I'm meant to do because it didn't stop me. You know, if yeah. anything, it made me want to do it even more and, and go for it and write more music and, and go for it. I then, you know, partied and was a, was a teenager, etc. But it, it really gave me that idea of, well, I've kind of failed or had something end. I'd been dropped by a record label at such a young age. So if it happens again, well... I've, you know, made it through that. So it's really carried with me to now. And I find that I'm a pretty resilient and hardworking person. And when people ask, you know, where does that come from? I think it kind of comes from that experience. Um, It really was a big, and at the time, as I said, it sucked. Um, But it's really helped me get to, you know, who I am today. Amazing. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, it's, (laughs) it's a big fall. Now, look, we spoke about um, just now how harsh kids can be. Do you believe that it's even harder now? Because, I mean, obviously when we were at school, um, 
15, 16 was bad. We had magazines, we had the cast of mm-hmm. 90210 and we had our peers to kind of scrutinise ourselves and judge ourselves over. Now there's, you know, social media, it never goes to sleep. And quite often, and most annoyingly, the anonymity brings out the worst in strangers. Mm. And it's absolutely terrifying. I know that you personally have called out bullies and trollers directly mm-hmm. up on their comments. I mean, how do you feel about that? Can you tell me some of the stories yourself? Yeah, so again, for me personally, it doesn't affect me. And I always try and... um. I had the uh, first person try and mum shame me the other day on Twitter and I, you know, replied to them and kind of explained some things, but also said, I went and looked at their profile and said, you know, I can see that you send out quite a lot of negative tweets of people. I hope you're okay. Sending you, you know, lots of love because I understand that it's not me, it's them. Mm -hmm. If I had to deal with that at 16, I'm very confident now in, you know, who I am as a woman. 16, oh my gosh, I don't know what that would have done to my mental state. So I'm, I'm so nervous for what social media will be when my daughter is 16. It, it's, it's crazy to think about. But um, I mean, I hope the more I can do that and kind of call out people, but also not shame them. I, I don't really agree in kind of, you know, naming and shaming people. It's almost like name, try and help them, try and change them. I don't want to just shame someone and have them go, well, fuck you, I'm going to, Because you're just then antagonising the bully. Yeah, Yeah, I almost want to be like, hey, don't do that again. And this is why. And have them understand why it's not appropriate. So even if that means like, hey, I'm going to send you a message and then send them a message and be like, just letting you know that really upset me. And then the rest of the day I was feeling kind of crap. So maybe next time don't send that to someone. And every time I've done that, every single time, the person apologises and is then like, oh, KLP, I'm so sorry. I didn't realise you'd read it. And it's like, of course I read it. You know, what are you what are you trying to do? You're putting it out there. People read what's on the other yeah. end of social media. So, you know, I think if I can just do my little part to, to do that, even if it's just a few people, then that's going to make some kind of a difference. That's so true. And, of course, it's some people, but that's some people writing a hell of a lot of messages as well. Yeah, and, and when you go and look at their profile, you always look at their profile and go, oh, man, they are sending out a lot of negativity out there so you know and and once you see that you realize it's not me they're angry at the world they're angry at everything they're seeing on twitter it's not it's nothing personal against me so then it's easy to just not be affected by it and i know you mentioned uh it wasn't just you always check out who it is and it wasn't just sort of just like angry right-wing you know recluse. Mm. you're actually getting this response from people in the music industry and women and and Mm. that's the terrifying bit but i love the fact that you're doing yeah you're finding out who they are yeah or just at least you know putting a human touch to it because I think that's the scary thing about social media is it's like faceless commenting it's so easy to be faceless and say something you'd never say to someone's face but it's really easy to just type it on a message so as soon as you give some kind of um, human element to it hopefully those people will question doing it again Beautiful. Typing it (laughs) back. I love it. Now, can I move on to the juicy women in pop Mm. question? Now, back when we spoke to you in issue one, which was, of course, 2017 pre-Me Too movement, that women find it hard to speak out against inequality as they automatically feel unheard or worse. As you mentioned, they feel like they're just complaining. Now, 
2019. Do you think that this has changed since the Me Too movement? movement? Has this global solidarity of women risen like a rhinestone crusted <laughs> sort of flame from the ashes of perverse? I mean, what are your thoughts on also the not all men backlash and what role do you believe men have to play in gender equality? Um, I mean, I think gender equality means it's everyone's role to to make it a, a better place. So it's not just about women having to talk about it. I've spoken before about um, <laughs> it, often getting asked things about what's it like being a female in the music industry or what's it like, you know, being a woman that makes music. And they're the questions I get in my interviews and my partner, who's also a musician, gets asked, what's it like writing your music? How do you write your music? And I've brought it up with him before and said, you know, this is really annoying that I have to talk about being a woman and you just get to talk about what you're doing. Um, and trying to make everyone aware. So, you know, I know he really makes um, uh, a point of when they're getting booked for shows, they ask um, who else is on the lineup and ask if there are women on the lineup. So it means that it's not just up to me. And, and again, coming back to what little things I can do in my circle to influence the people around me so they can do the same thing and that will ricochet off. So... For example, my partner talking to him about it, making him aware. And, and at first when I do do that, he's kind of like, what are you going on about? You know, oh, here she goes again. But then as soon as you make it really clear and I, I showed him some interview questions and was like, this is what I get asked all the time about. Or, you know, or this is the communication I get um, when I go back and ask for something um, and, and show him that, oh, what was that? I once had a phone call with someone and... I think I asked for something, a similar thing to what he would ask for. And the person was like, sweetie, sweetie, <laughs> Re replying to me like that, like, come on, sweetie, you can't ask for that. And I was like, oh, my gosh, there's such a, a difference in, in how this works. And I see that so plainly because we're both musicians. We're both doing the similar kind of gigs, doing similar kind of interviews on the same publications. So I can see that. So... Uh, I think it's everyone's job and it's not just promoters booking festivals. It's not just um, people choosing the songs on the radio. It's listeners and it's, you know, it kind of comes down to everyone. How do you tackle that? Well, it comes down to everyone doing their own little thing. Yeah. So, yeah, it's women, men, everyone, you know, parents educating their kids, teachers and, you know, it's all of our responsibility and that's what it would really be like to be equal, I think. That's if cool. that makes sense. No, it totally makes sense. It's making room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It shouldn't just be about women to have to, you know, or just be no. our job to always speak up. It's all our job. But I, part of that is to do with the fact, um, I think, there was that backlash and that fear, like, oh, we're not all like this and not all men. That's where that came from. But mm. like, no, no, but women, we were just as bad because we didn't have each other's backs because mm. we didn't feel like we had a voice. So yeah. we were up against the wall. And it's now we've opened the conversation. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's what's beautiful. Yeah. And it's, you know, women aren't all saints, as you said, you know, some of them are fierce yeah. to each other. And some of the most difficult things I've had to experience in the industry have come from other women. Yeah. So it's it's everyone's job to try and make it equal. And, you know, I'll try and stand up for something and I'll get shamed by another woman, woman for yeah. doing that. So it's, it's such a complex thing. But again, I think if we can all just do what's within our little world, hopefully that will start to change things. And I think it is, you know, things are definitely better. But I'd love to see 
as opposed to panels where there are a bunch of women talking about it. I'd love to see a panel where it's a bunch of women and some men there talking yeah. about it too, you know, things like that that actually make it equal or, um, yeah, have men talking about this kind of thing and how they how they feel. I know um, I had a friend of mine say the other day, he's a 26-year-old man, mm. and he said that men now call each other out on it. And he said usually you'd be with a group of guys and one will say something about a woman. And they used to just, even if you didn't agree, you'd just let it go. Mm. And he said now they all go, can't say that, Steve. Like he said that's it's great. actually really beautiful. Yeah. He's like even without you we do okay now. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> so, you know, and the more we can do it, I think it's going to change. Uh, socially there were things 20 years ago that were just so behind and yeah. you look at where we are now I'm sure in another 20 years hopefully this will be so much more equal. And does that excite you raising a young girl <laughs> in 2019? Yes. <laughs> you've got little girls marching down the streets with signs saying hands off my pussy and it's yeah. just like ah. Oh. Look up. I'm nervous to know who she'll be or not nervous. I'm excited. Um, and hopefully she'll just be kind. I just want her to be like happy and nice um, and stick up for people, but then also just confident in her, in herself. I yeah. think that's really important. And I think my parents were always so supportive um, with me and not so much a you can be anything, you can do anything, but just, you know, more so whatever, just facilitating whatever I wanted to lead on. They really supported me. And again, it's made me, you know, who I am today. So if I can do anything like that and just make her feel confident, that would be good. Confident and kind. I think that's nice. Confident and kind. <laughs> that's, a, that's a definite. You've got a yeah. good aim there as well. Yeah. Now, you've also recently released the beautiful gut and heart wrenching ensemble, Until I Find You. Mm -hmm. What a beautiful track. I mean, it's got incredible heart. And you know what I love about it? It starts in that scented candle skunk and antsy bath. Yeah. You know that you know that mood, like yes, that beautiful yes. mood. But then suddenly you're up in the tiles singing into the hairdryer. Yeah. Like it is amazing. Can you talk me through the inspiration behind that track? Yes. Well, when I first found out that I was pregnant, I was um, we were trying for, you know, it was part of my plan. I knew I wanted to have kids. I wanted to be a mum. It was something I really wanted. But when I first found out, it's like, oh my God, this is actually happening? What's, what is my life going to be? There's so many questions that come up. Who am I going to be? Will I still be relevant in music? And I just, my head was kind of exploding. And I'd just come back from a writing trip overseas and I'd connected with a few writers and this um, duo in Berlin that I'd written with had sent me a track. Uh, I was back in Australia and they were like, we really loved working with you. Here's a few more ideas we started. So I had one day in the studio and I wrote it in a day, recorded all the vocals. My partner Nick came home and I played it to him, just burst into tears, um, writing it about the fact that, you know, I was pregnant and was going to meet this uh, until I find you is about, you know, until I meet whoever this person, I didn't even know if it was a boy or a girl at the time, was going to come and change our lives. So it was written about that. I wrote it and then I pushed it to the side because it was so early on, like I think I was only a few weeks pregnant at that stage. I'd literally just found out and I thought, gosh, I don't know what's going to happen. And then once I was maybe seven months pregnant and I thought, okay, well, this shit is really happening. Uh, then I went back and started finishing it. So I got my family to sing the choir bit at the end. I got my partner Nick and his duo Setmo to, you know, add some production. So it was a little bit of a family affair. It was just this really nice thing to create together 
and then release once Sienna was born. It was, yeah, it's such a strange thing to do, but it was almost just like a little declaration that this is now, you know, what's happening. And yeah, it was, it was an emotional, it's but fun, fun thing to create. Strange. It's absolutely <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. And we're going to play it now until I find you. Okay, now, last one. I know you're a huge Madonna fan, which, I mean, (laughs) how can you not? I know. How can you not? Um, Can you just, I mean, what is it, apart from her just knocking out tune after tune after tune, why do you think she is so important in the music industry, particularly for women today? Um, She doesn't apologise for who she is at all. She's just so fierce and confident. Sometimes too confident and, you know, too over the top. But but I love that. It's just so inspiring. And when when you see a woman be so strong like that, it's just, I don't know, it's just really inspiring. I love that. I love her music too. Um, I, I really enjoy that she's still making music now. Yeah, it's just... What's not to love about Madonna? She's fierce. She's, She's fierce. so fierce and in, in a good way. I don't think fierce needs to be seen as a, a bad or harsh word. It's like fiery and awesome. Well, that's how no, I see that, it. I think fierce is a great word. Yeah. Um, I think Tyra Banks even stole that from Madonna. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. I love Tyra too. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And favourite Madonna track? Do you have one? I do. Um, the song Nothing Really Matters. Oh, I love everything about that song. The production, the vocal, you know, I love her vocal delivery. It has an amazing video too. But then I also really love the idea behind it. It's almost like a little bit of a a mantra, you know, nothing really matters, love is all we need. It's like a Beatles lyric or something, but it's Madonna. So uh, that's definitely the song. Oh, I love it. Now, with Delicious Ladies, can you just rattle off the top of your head so I can create a beautiful little Spotify list for Mm. our Women in Pop um, playlist? Mm -hmm. Can you give me your top five lady pop tracks? Oh, okay. Well, let's go with Madonna. Nothing really matters because I just mentioned that one. The next one I'll add is a track by Tandy Phoenix called Cleopatra. So um, I'm actually not sure exactly when it is coming out, but it is any day now and it is banging. I wrote it with her and it's just, ah, it just has this attitude. It's, It's so good, like a spoken kind of gutsy, ballsy attitude to it. So that one. Um, who else am I going to add to this list? Oh, okay. Well, this one, it's a collaboration, but Mark Ronson featuring Licky Lee, Late Night Feelings. That's just a new current song that I love. Got to have some Kylie Minogue in there. Kylie Minogue. Oh, there's too many songs to choose from. Did it again. I'll say that one. Um, one more female. Oh, Gwen Stefani. I've got to have Gwen Stefani. So how about I say, um... Uh, I would say Hollaback Girl, but I'm going to say, 
Yeah, I'll say Hollaback Girl. Hollaback Girl. One. Beautiful. Yeah. What yeah. a beautiful playlist. We're going <laughs> to stick that out on our page. Okay, KLP, thank you so much for chatting with us today. It thank has been you. an absolute pleasure. Now, listeners, do not forget the new KLP single, Heater, is out now on all platforms. Please get out there and stream it and download it and play it as much as you can because it is a tune and a half. And you can still catch KLP live on a Heater tour. Yes. Uh, there's a few shows left. If you go to klpmusic.com, you can grab some tickets. I guarantee It'll be fun. I'll play Heater. And I actually might even play some unreleased tracks. I was thinking about it today. I was like, I should give them a test run. Ooh. Mm. Please <laughs> do. There you go. Test run tracks. Um, now, don't forget the latest issue of Women in Pop magazine is imminent. To get your copy before everybody else, go to womeninpop.com forward slash subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter to find out more about the exceptional artists we have in this issue, as well as behind the scenes shots of today's podcast with KLP. Just search Women in Pop from KLP and myself. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be chatting again real soon. Until next time, goodbye.